slash and cast. Care presented by the Slash and Cast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. Uh, right now, in February, we have been doing Ludophobia, which is the fear of playing games. And, uh, you know, tonight we have something that is based on a board game, uh, which is kind of a weird way to, to look at it. Uh, when you consider the subject matter of what this game actually entails... Uh, tonight we're going to be discussing Ouija. Uh, the, the Origin of Evil yeah. is the the name of the prequel uh, for this one. And you know, I know a lot of people, you know, who who saw the the, the first Ouija movie when it came out, and they're like, "Well, that absolutely sucked." And then, you know, a couple years down the line, they're like, hey, we're doing a prequel. Uh, Mike Flanagan is set to direct this feature. And everyone all of a sudden was like, oh, consider myself intrigued because Mike Flanagan at that point had already had quite a few hits under his belt. And, uh, you know, very similar to what we got with the Annabelle sequel, what we have here is a second installment uh, not necessarily in the timeline, but second installment of the actual series that far surpasses anything that we saw in regards to the first installment of the series. And it, it's interesting to see how those two franchises have kind of had that sort of mirrored success. Now, that being said, we have not had a third Ouija movie at this point. There's been a ton of, like, knockoffs that you can, you've probably seen maybe floating around Tubi or in your Redbox. Uh, but this is definitely a movie... That is just so much better uh, than the first Ouija. So much to the point where I don't even remember anything about the other Ouija movie at all. Because whenever I think of Ouija, I think of Mike Flanagan's prequel, uh, which is what we'll be diving into tonight. But joining me tonight, as always, are my co-hosts, Holly and John. And guys, you know, what, what, what a great movie to discuss because there are a lot of things that work for this movie. And there's a lot of, like, Flanagan's elements at play. But this movie in particular, at least with the third act, uh, might, for for a lot of people, I feel like the third act is going to be the one part of the movie that might shoot itself in the foot, because it is absolutely bonkers, and I know that does tend to, at times, lose some people, but it is an absolute wild ride from start to finish. Right, I was, uh, I actually hadn't watched any of the Ouija uh, movies, and I... So I was thinking, okay, I'll start with two. I know it's a prequel. I know it's the better movie. So maybe this way, watching the shittier version or the shittier one, is it going to really color my judgment and make me compare them too much and not enjoy the movie? Which I was really glad I did. But I I enjoyed Ouija 2 so much that I decided I don't want to watch the other one. (laughs) I don't think I'm going to And, well, you know, you brought up uh, uh, Mike uh, Flanagan, and I didn't realize it was him because, you know, I just, you know, Popped it in like it's what a VHS. 
So he did The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, yeah. And uh, the haunting of Blythe Manor, right? And so, I mean, I'm sure mm-hmm. I, I'm looking at T's face. He's like looking around, like that was. I was going to talk about the the ensemble of this movie, which is awesome because so many characters or so many actors from those series yeah, are in this, this movie, yeah. and they have this great chemistry. And these, and this movie, of course, was um, made before those. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm trying to remember like the hits that you're talking about, and I'm trying to think if those characters, uh, those actors were in those movies as well, because they're just they just work mm-hmm. so well together, and they're all so good. And I love me some Henry Thomas too. <laughs> kind of have a I had a huge crush on him growing up. E.T. Psycho too. <laughs> Is he in Psycho too? Mm-hmm. He's in Psycho too. Isn't he? He plays a young uh, Norman Bates. Is he? Wait, is that him? Can you look it up to you? Oh, think I'm... <laughs> oh young Is that in? The... Okay, yeah. I just I I forgot that he was in that. Oh. Can you confirm that for me, T? I'm. Hold on, I'm looking. Henry Thomas. <laughs> he... Yeah, he's pretty much good in everything that he's in, basically. Twoo twoo. I hope I'm not confusing him with somebody else. Uh, Henry Thomas was in Psycho there 4. Go, Psycho. The okay. beginning. Right, right. Nice. Yeah, no. Uh, he was and it feels, the movie feels like those shows, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, T, what was... Uh, are there other movies he did? I was trying to... Uh, he did Hush. Oh, okay. Oculus. Oh, yeah, Oculus, yeah. Gerald's mm-hmm. Game was oh, another was one that he, he did. Mm-hmm. Which he has a part... that It's funny you said... Gerald's game because there's that part where she pulls her hand through the uh, through the shackle and you hear her hand break and I was like oh that wasn't nearly as bad as Gerald's game where she had to like pull all the skin off her hand to get the to get out of the shackle but uh, but um, yeah no he's really but it, it definitely feels like there's and I I thought the red hair girl I don't think it's her but the funny thing is I kept thinking that the red haired daughter was the girl from Oculus too but I don't know if that's act- uh, I don't think it's actually the same actress I don't remember you don't mean the grown actress you mean I mean um, you know the uh, the teenage the rebellious yeah, teenager who goes out drinking and is hooking well, up with the <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's just, it's really great when directors tend to, like, hold on to the same actors, and Mm -hmm. they create really great relationships, and so they work better together. Mm -hmm. I think that's great. I mean, I'm sure it sucks for other actors who want those roles. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I'm sure people would love to have Peter David Lynch movie, or, you know, I'm trying to think of other directors that do that, which is a lot of them, you know. Yeah. Oculus is really good. That's (laughs) a great movie. I'm a fan of that one. Ditto. And where you have to watch it more than once to understand what's going Ooh. on. Watch it again then. <laughs> oh, de- I mean, there's yeah, definitely. It's crazy. Is that? It's not Jessica Justine. It's a uh, Starbuck from uh, Battlestar oh, yeah, Galactica. Yeah. What's her name? From Battlestar Galactica is the mom in it. Yeah, she's pretty great. Um, I forget her name, but yeah, it's called Starbuck. So. Yeah, twenty six. This movie, twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. And I never so I never saw the first Ouija either because yeah. What was that all about, T? Yeah. What was the? Well, see, like that's something I barely remember anything <laughs> about it, which is so bad. I only watched it the one time, and I'm then sure. much like the, the first Annabelle, I never went back. Yeah. Mm, okay. 
I'm pretty sure it takes place during modern times, though. Right. It's it's like a modern teen. Mm -hmm. I think they kind of went... I remember the commercials were kind of going for the modern teen horror movie. It was kind of generic looking. Mm -hmm. It It, does look very generic, right. And it came out during that time when all the board games like Battleship was being made, the sci-fi action movie for I'm the sorry, board what? game. The board game Battleship <laughs> yep. got a movie. Mm-hmm. They were doing all the board game movies during this time. And so it was just like, what? At Ouija board? Like, <laughs> which kind of made, at least made some sense. You know, <laughs> yeah, board, it does make sense. But uh, Battleship, Battleship was kind of weird. Can't they just make a war movie? That's fucking ridiculous. <laughs> It's a really bad movie. I love how much you remember about it. <laughs> I've seen it. It's bad. I I never bothered with it because as soon as I saw the trailer for Battleship, I was like, wait, what? What the fuck does this have to do exactly. with the board game? Absolutely nothing. There's a ship. That's about it. Everything then they like introduce aliens and there's like a whole side story with that. I'm like okay. <laughs> yeah. And so I avoided, I just avoided Ouija because the reviews were generally bad and uh, and it just looked mm-hmm. generic. So just eh, pass. Mm. It never even registered with me. And mm-hmm. actually, this one never registered with me either. I hadn't, hadn't even noticed it. I mean, you might, I might see it around in terms of like, you know, the, um, the advertising, but I didn't realize it was so good. So I'm really glad that we got a chance to watch it. Yeah, with this one, I had seen that it was getting good reviews and heard it was really good when it came out and then meant to see it and then just never did. So I watched it for the first time for this. Also, we moved the couch, so we're back to having a really boring backdrop. <laughs> yeah, no haunted <laughs> mansion. No haunted mansion. <clears throat> there goes my um. home mansion. <laughs> no winter. What was the other one? Winter Wonderland with, yeah. like, Santa Claus going across the top. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That would have been nice. Mm-hmm. Oh, well. But so, the beginning of this movie, how does this movie start again? With the seance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, the, the, the performance that's put on by the mom and the, the da- daughters who are hidden away and have different jobs mm-hmm. and uh, have convinced themselves that they're they're just giving people closure and that they're, what they're doing is a good thing, which I think, I mean, they, they're good people, but ultimately, like, it's, it's not nice to... Uh, Mm-hmm. Do fake seances. <laughs> yeah, they're like fake psychics. And uh, and the four they're getting foreclosed on. Right, and this house that was uh, built by, mm-hmm. or, yeah, was it built by the dad or bought by the dad? Mm-hmm. Which I knew right away that that guy was going to come back around, the dad, because when I saw, the, I recognized the actor from the picture. He was uh, one of the cops and super troopers. Not one of the troopers, one of the policemen. Mm-hmm. He was the one that says, bear fucker. Anyway, <laughs> I recognize that dude, and I was like, "Oh, someone's gonna come and save the day." Yeah, ghost dad, ghost dad. <laughs> and uh, she's got like her uh, <gasps> magnets that she. Mm-hmm. Oh no, that that was later, actually. That those are pretty good ideas. Like, I mean, those are pretty cool tricks that uh, she paints. Like, you know, either it's metallic paint in order for the magnets to be able to move the. Mm-hmm. The, the planchette at some point, and I, I thought that was kind of neat. Those were really nice touches. And and mm-hmm. she, and there are some clues, like, because, you know, they kind of say in the movie that she she mentions, like, how her mom was, a like, a fortune teller, mm-hmm. or like, a psychic, but that she didn't 
the mom like kind of didn't have the powers. She's kind of like a scam artist, but she really kind of does. They sort of. Um, so, <laughs> well, just to move, you know, move the story along. So they're uh, the, they're doing these fake seances to get money. It's still not a lot of money. They're they're still getting foreclosed on. Mm-hmm. However, despite the fact that they're getting foreclosed on, they don't. Um, they don't push people for money. So that's one of the things that were supposed to be like sort of a character defining moments, which is the opening scene where they're having a conversation with that dad and his daughter and they're pretending to talk to the wife. Mm-hmm. And clearly the daughter who plays uh, a big, uh, who's an, uh, an actress in the uh, in some of the other Mike Flanagan um, uh, shows like uh, House of Haunted Hill, um, is basically trying to get, you know, her inheritance early or something so that this dude will marry her and, Anyways, long story short, they don't take any money from the dad, and they advise him not to give her any money so that, um, uh, you know, he'll be a little bit more secure financially, yeah. right? She's trying to bring him out. Right. So, I mean, that sort of is telling you, like, oh, okay, so they're hard up for money, but it's not, not, but they're still not willing to, you know, I guess put people in bad situations to get it. But she's kind of knows, she's like, Kind of a scam artist, but yeah. uh, she she's a scam artist with it. a heart of gold. Yeah, by being trying to be a good person. Yeah, <laughs> she's gonna be fine with us. Which is an, which yeah. is an oxymoron. And then, of course, right after that, we get the uh, the rebellious teen. Well, no, she's not that rebellious, but the teenager uh, that runs off in the middle of the night to go to a friend's house to go drinking and hang out with some friends and play Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And that's where they go over the rules a little bit, which. You know, they didn't really talk that usually in movies like this, they stress the rules way more than they did in this movie. So it was very clear. They went over it like through a couple of times throughout the movie about the three different rules, which are the never play alone, always say goodbye, and what was the other one? Don't play in a graveyard. Oh, don't I don't I forget that. <laughs> That's where it comes back. Not I won't jump ahead, but it yeah, no, they make a big deal about the rules at first, and then they sort of play a role in the story, but then sort of not. I guess you could consider all the dead people in the house a graveyard. No, she, they literally say that. Oh, I it missed like, it. It was a graveyard when they... Yeah, one of the oh, dogs. But also... Mm-hmm. And of course, the, the youngest daughter does mm-hmm. play alone. And, well, they, and they don't say goodbye a couple of times. I don't think they ever. I, I don't think I was, they ever. I was thinking about it. I don't think they. They, ever. they never did. <laughs> and specifically, there's like a scene at the beginning <clears throat> that kind of alludes to the fact that the mom actually does have right. power because when she does the thing, she when she's kind of messing around with the Ouija board, practicing like her like how she's mm-hmm. going to scam it, uh, she like makes the hand gesture and then she is talking to the spirit who speaks through the daughter. At that point, but she's in the different room, so she doesn't see it. Oh, right. And then, that was nice and creepy. And then she, like, makes another hand gesture and, like, closes, and then the daughter, like, goes back to normal. Oh. Um, okay. That she literally did, like, open a portal to the... Right. I mean, I, I, I got that it. part. I just... I wasn't 100% convinced that they had powers versus the ghosts were just sort of awoke. I guess both. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because I think that was sort of meant to show that she, the mom, really did. And she didn't officially say goodbye or close it. So she basically let the spirit into her daughter and then just left. Just fucked up early. So it was kind of her fault, really. It was everything but her fault. Yeah, fuck the mom. Mm -hmm. 
And also, I was, uh, they had the game box when she goes to play at the, uh, mm-hmm. at her friend's house. Cause I remember Ouija boards from the game from when I was a kid. And I was like, that's a, I don't recognize that box. And so I looked it up. And that box is the 1960s box uh, that they actually had for the game, which was not like what I grew up with. And then I was looking in the, 80s box is like the hands it's like a picture of the mm. hands on the planchette which is i think kind of the more famous box because the current one looks like that too we were offered a free ouija board and joe said no <laughs> and joe doesn't believe <laughs> joe doesn't believe and neither do i but i was i mean uh, he's just to be safe he's just to be safe he's like no nah, man we're not <laughs> what am i sucker Oh, and he didn't want to like conjure up any evil spirits. Come on. When I, I also wouldn't get a hot nanny. I'm just not. I'm not going to ask for trouble. <laughs> and it definitely raises some points. I might as well talk about it a bit now. Mm-hmm. Is that like I definitely have like kind of a Seinfeld take on Ouija board, which is the the what is like what's the deal with what Ouija is the board? deal. <laughs> Like, how is that a game? Like, how is how that was it a, yeah, sold to children? It's the weirdest thing when you think about it. Like, go talk to dead people. It's a, it's, it's part of- well, like we, like Ouija boards have been around since like yeah, the late yeah. 1800s. They didn't really start like manufacturing until like the early 1900s. But like at at that time, like basically like humanity's like relationship with death was like vastly different to like what it mm-hmm. is now so it's it's interesting because like traditionally like when you look at it you know all of it is just stemming from seances and you know obviously like there's a lot of superstitious aspects when it comes to you know things like this i mean it's one of the main reasons why they call out it you know being a scam uh primarily but yeah it's definitely not something that it's like uh, you know when the when the teenager was over at a friend's house drinking and you see like all the other like classic board games mm-hmm. you know there's like operation and like i can't remember what else was there but there were a couple of other games and then there was then there was ouija and i was like who the fuck's gonna pick that like out, out of everything you know it's just like i i never would come to think of ouija as a but it's it's just yeah. that link to spirituality uh, that has was a lot more common way back in the day compared to more. But I mean, for sure, definitely. Like the early 1900s was spiritualism, the day, yeah. they called it, mm-hmm. was a really big deal. Like in the wealthy, right. like, the, uh, like socialite world, they would have seances and things. And there were some really advanced uh, con artists. Mm-hmm. That would make ectoplasm mm-hmm. by yeah, like oh, so. I mean, well, I'm 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 grimacing because I um, I remember some of the stories. I read this great book by uh, Mary Roach called uh, Spooked, and it's just a little bit of the history of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was this one technique where they would swallow a, a specific piece of fabric. I can't remember what it was, and then they were regurgitated and pretend it was like ectoplasm mm-hmm. yeah. which is fucking disgusting yeah. and so and a lot of shit like that you know like just not you know not pulling back any punches about stuffing crap in your different orifices and then pulling it out mm-hmm. and pretending it's like ghostly material it's pretty disgusting and anyway, so- also, <laughs> that's the era too where uh, ghost photography uh, yeah. where they did double 
early, super early photography was brand new, but right away they were doing the double exposure to make kind of scam photographs of spirits and things like that. For early photography, too. scam photos, pornography, kitty cats. But, but it's, it's always, it's really interesting to me and weird the way that even to this day, Ouija board is considered a board game. It is part of that whole world of the core board games, Monopoly, mm -hmm. Scrabble, yeah. uh, Shoots and Ladders. Uh, <laughs> Candyland. Yeah, Candyland. <laughs> uh, but yet, it, it, it literally, and I was thinking about this a little bit while watching the movie, it's literally not a game, first of all. Like, it's it's sold as a way to communicate no with spirits, but yeah. there's no winning. There's, there's no, only like, losing. There are rules. <laughs> there are technically rules, which is a game thing. But um, but it's just interesting, too, because like people get so touchy about ghosts and spiritual stuff mm -hmm. that the fact that it's sold as a board game and considered a board game it, among those other types of games is really interesting and kind of strange, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because the, the, it feels like the sole purpose of Ouija boards is yeah, just to scare the shit out of your yourself, friends. Yeah. <laughs> but I, and I was kind of thinking, like, what if there is a game, what, like, is the game exactly? And I kind of was thinking, and this doesn't really quite work, but it's almost like a, a, like a sort of social experiment game of, like, with, you have a group of four or five people. Well, and it's like, scare. Well, and it's like, who, who you can scare, but also, like, Who's cheating? Like, is someone moving the planchette? Who's, or who's the con artist? Like, who's the cheater? Who's That's actually like... really interesting. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Look at a Ouija board. I changed my mind. So, so basically, what John is saying is there's a correlation to the people who play Monopoly and flip the table, yeah, and exactly, uh, who's moving exactly. the planchette. And that's always a thing. And it's both of them. <laughs> Whenever you see the Ouija board in movies and stories, it's always like the joke is like, you're moving the thing. Yeah, you're moving, it. You're moving it. I used to play Ouija a couple times, and I, well, when I was a, like a little kid, so we're talking like 10 or so, mm -hmm. and so I would always get really angry at anybody pushing it because I had my, my scientific approach where I'm like, no, we're taking we're it seriously. It we're going to have yeah. got to see if it works. Which of course it wouldn't. So of course it's more fun if somebody does push it around. And that's but th and that's the, the whole thing, right? Is that's like that's the game. Is like you're, are you moving? Do you are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then talking shit right to your friend's face <laughs> by you know saying mean things with the Ouija board. Oh, and I just to also as another random thing, I completely forgot about because I've also been around the Ouija board a little bit as a kid too. Um, my sister, we, my, one of my sisters, her friend who lived like uh, right down the street mm -hmm. had a Ouija board and they would play the Ouija board. And then the, that girl who did it got all freaked out and started thinking that her place was haunted and that there were ghosts because of playing with the Ouija board <laughs> in the house. Did she have a little mental breakdown? Not, uh, no. Well, good, not, good, for good. For, not for that. Not for that. <laughs> no, uh, but I, the thing in this movie that I had completely forgotten about, but I remembered when they brought it up in the movie, was how you look through the little hole the magnifying glass. Was that something that was popular? Because I, I don't think I've heard that before. Uh, like I say, I completely forgotten about it, and then when they 
did it. I was like, oh yeah, I it's, that. it's cool. It's a cool, like, you know, it's a cool element of the movie. I don't think it's part of the rules or part of the game, but I think it's maybe like something that somebody came, came up like with a at some point. Rule. Oh, I see. Very cool. Very cool. How about you? Uh, do you, have you played a lot of Ouija? <laughs> did, nope. you, did you Not grow up with it? Like, did anyone you know or anything have one or use one when you were? Interesting. No. Never no, can't, one? can't say that, that I have. Like, I, I, I do know kids that would play, like, Nightmare, which was one of the VHS uh, board games, which is a horror, you know, adjacent, uh, which... We'll kind of like segue into the the next week's movie uh, that we'll be talking about because it's kind of similar uh, in that regard. But yeah, nobody nobody I knew uh, had a Ouija board, so can't really. And, speak I, and I had an idea. Anyone who wants to jump on this and market this and become a millionaire, you can take this idea. Tell me, I but know. I was thinking because the Ouija board being what it is. <laughs> okay, you make okay. the Bloody Mary board game. <gasps> And it's just a mirror, and then the rules are you just say Bloody Mary. And you push a button, and they give you one of those like mirrors that come up with a little image. And it's like a, and and it's just a mirror in a box. Maybe it could be like a Siri, like you know, device inside of it. So when it hears you say Bloody Mary three times, it starts a little show. No, but this it should just be to kind of go with the theme of the Ouija. It should just literally be a mirror in a box. Oh, (laughs) it's just like. There's no, like, there's nothing. Can it be an old-timey mirror? And a little slip of paper that says, Rule 1, say Say Bloody Mary three times. Rule 2, blank. (laughs) Well, I mean, all the lights have to be off. You know, you gotta remember that part. Although I'm kidding, because technically, I think that's a, I always heard it was supposed to be a bathroom mirror, though, with Bloody Mary. Oh, I didn't know. I mean, it's always in a bathroom mirror, right? Mm -hmm. But I never thought about it. No, yeah, it is. I don't know if that's a specific, for some reason, that's what I thought it was, but I don't know if that's a real thing. But anyways. Anyhow. Anyhow. <laughs> but yeah, they were in the... You know what it should be? Now I want to go, I do want to make that game, so it'll be a mirror. You have a series, like you have a device in there that catches you saying Bloody Mary three times. It starts a show, and then it turns into, and then we can mix it with like some fortune telling and like make it into like a magic where you like, oh, ask yeah, it a yeah. question yeah true and then you, the Bloody Mary will give you the answer but it'll be like a spooky reply like yes but I will kill you or it could be like one of those phone ARG you know <gasps> augmented reality things where you see the ghost in the mirror behind you when you look like it actually <laughs> yeah that's what I love that's what I made the show but uh, it's pretty cool you know I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure all of them Somebody's gonna steal it. Somebody's mm-hmm. listening. I, I'm in a couple of months. In a couple of months, it'll happen. I just feel like I've made <laughs> jokes that I've made up to friends, and then I see like a TikTok it about it, and I was like, "What the fuck just happened?" But anyway, yeah, let's continue with the review. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> well, uh, so yeah, we definitely been jumping around, uh, of course, with the teenagers' night out drinking. Uh, she during the whole. Well, I'm not even going to call it Sans. When they're playing Ouija in in the one girl's bedroom, of course, her mama barges in and absolutely scares the shit out of one of the teens who was definitely the weak link out of the group to begin with. 
And and it was very obvious, like, she was already frazzled to begin with. She didn't want to play. Door flies open, and she just screams bloody murder. And then, of course, you know, the mom calls the parents, and then, you know, the teenage daughters. Mom appears. You know, the her younger sister is asleep in the back mm. of, you know, the station wagon. Because, uh, you know, can't, can't leave her alone. And, uh, yeah, you can't really trust a little kid anyway with uh, how other things fall out in the movie. But, you know, I just thought it was interesting because, like, she makes it a point to, like, sneak out of the house. But it's not like the Darren escape, like, oh, man, let me have, like, this rope of uh, clothes just so I can sneak out. She's probably on, like, the first floor regardless. Um, but, yeah, just, just the whole thought of, like, sneaking out to, to go drinking and then playing Sounds spirit Sounds games. Sexy. Nobody made out, though. But it it, 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 it seems yeah. more of a, just a thing of the times more than anything, and not something that would they happen currently. It was teens, yeah, sneaking out and drinking. And that was kind of a light part. scene. I mean, uh, essentially mm-hmm. the only um, the only function of the scene was to introduce the Ouija board, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a pretty good introduction, I guess. But uh, mm-hmm. nothing that happened in that scene other than the daughter being introduced to the Ouija board was really relevant. Even like, I mean, they talk about the rules a little bit, but then they restate them later. So the scene was a little mm, they, superfluous. They introduce like the character, that girl whose, I guess, house it was, mm-hmm. um, who I, the way they introduce that character and the way she is in that scene, I thought she was going to be a character. Yeah, movie. but now she just kind of disappeared. She's I was not, like, okay. But, uh, they, I love they, in that scene. They have the pile of bo- all the traditional board games all piled up there, and uh, she picks that one girl picks the Ouija board, and then the the other team was like, "I have enough ghosts in my life. I don't want to." Play <laughs> oh, really? Fourteen year old has a lot of ghosts in your life. Okay. She's talking about like her mom. I guess they knew. It's kind of interesting because like her friends, I think, knew what her mom did for a living, which is kind of a weird thing. Like. Mm-hmm. You know, like, my mom's a psychic. Like, you hang out with your friends in the neighborhood, and it's like, yeah, like, we run a psychic thing out of our house. Well, you know, those people... Uh, I, oh, that's not really bad when I say those people. people. I know, what that was bad. <laughs> people who are involved in that kind of a business, they're still around, you know? Like, yeah, for sure. I just... Definitely. Yeah, I don't think I know any, but they must know people. They must have kids that go to school. And... <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, like that. And if I knew somebody who was in that business, I don't think it would really matter. Like, that's just what you do. Okay. Especially probably back then, there was probably more. I mean, there that's still true. are. Really but a bunch more. In the sixties, seventies, yeah. I think there was it was more of a thing for sure. I I did like uh, it was just like being a smartass. Like in the beginning of the movie, you know, they showed the house, and there were like the two two nice classic cars parked in front. And then, like, the one classic car drives by. And I was like, oh, they rented three classic cars <laughs> for this movie. Like, I have a feeling it's going to be the three cars we see. Just going around <laughs> Whenever there's a scene in the streets, it's like you've got those. Don't forget, houses. it's the 60s. <laughs> Which, oh, I, and then we, I should point out, I, did you guys notice, and this is more of a kind of, old school film thing because this movie takes place in the 60s of mm-hmm. course and they put the what's called the cigarette burn yeah those were all over the place yeah like they didn't they weren't 20 minutes apart they were like this no that's <laughs> the funny thing at first they are 
because when I saw the first one, I looked at the title yeah. bar and I was like, oh, they oh. put one in. Which, of course, will explain for people this is the cigarette burn is an old thing. It's a nickname. You might have learned about it in Fight Club. Uh, but it's in movies in the theater back in the day when they projected on a film. The films were in 15-minute chunks. And so the projectionist would load the first 15 minutes and then the the cigarette burn, a little circle, will appear in the corner of the frame. And that lets the projectionist know that they need to switch it to the next 15-minute piece and they mm-hmm. keep doing that through the movie. And so old movies, when they were converted to like a TV to VHS DVD and well, stuff like that. Yeah. They would sometimes make those transfers from a theatrical print, which would have those cigarette burns. Right. But this isn't the, old enough to have them. No, naturally. they're intentional. They're, there they're intentional. And then their frequency is completely like yeah. nonsensical. And then it gets fast. They, they start appearing. Like at first I was like, Ooh, that's cute. That's cheeky. It's the sixties. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then after we're like, well, what the fuck is this? It's all, it was only like 20 seconds ago. There was just a cigarette yeah. burn. So why am I looking at another one? I wonder if maybe they, maybe it's possible they put them in, in the correct amounts, but then they edited the movie after the fact. And That's threw true. It off, maybe. That's what happened. And there's a tiny bit, because I was also thinking if they're doing this for, to give it an old timey feel, you know, you would think they might do like the thing, like with, uh, the Grindhouse movies where there's film, like a lot of film grain or maybe the scratches right. on the film. Or discoloration. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, very little of that, but there was one part where they did a, the cigarette burn uh, transfer, and then there's like a weird jump cut where it like I think I noticed that early on too. like an odd yeah sort of like there was a glitch in like the film or whatever, mm-hmm. and then I have to nerd this is super nerd out about this audio nerd out, but. Uh, there's also a part where they're playing. There's some later in the movie you see a record playing, mm-hmm. and then it turns off and the audio goes like, like it winds down, which is accurate. That's if you have a record, you turn it off, mm-hmm. it does that. But it does this warbling thing where it goes like, like, and it kind of like warbles as it goes down, which is a tape thing, <laughs> not a record thing. So. Points, points off. I have to take a point off the for that because they're mixing up their their old media a little bit. But, you know, Jesus, Grandpa, take it easy. That's like one of those things when you see it where it's just like nobody knows or cares like about that, but I noticed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we're we're just gonna re- rebrand a segment for you know John's audiophile <laughs> tendencies that no, he that he spots in movies. <laughs> yeah, that's what it's gonna be called. John knows. <laughs> 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 and, and it will go hand in hand with his. Uh, no, it's no, probably yeah. gonna come off bad. <laughs> Something truly awful after but... the fact. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, okay. So we got we got our introduction to the Ouija board at this uh, teenage drinking party, and of course, you know the teenager at one point uh, is 
you know, like the mom's listening, like, well, what were you doing? Like, she's saying, like, you know, they were only playing games, and you know, she could smell the alcohol on their breath, so she knows that's bullshit. Uh, and then of course, you know, they're talking about like, well, this would be like something new to like add some flavor to, you know, the act that they're putting on where, you know, potentially, you know, maybe we could actually help people uh, for real in this case. But that's more so when uh, the daughter, the youngest daughter has that connection uh, initially after the mom is trying to reach the dead in this case. Um, but, you know, I, th I thought it was interesting because, you know, initially it's like they kind of like have the script that they're going through. And once we see that sort of connection with the youngest daughter reaching out to, you know, the other side, connecting with the father figure, uh, you know, the, the eldest daughter is basically saying, like, well, she's giving off the same cues that we are normally giving off to the client. So it's like, is she really having that sort of connection? Or is he just going through the motion that we've already put in place time and time again so we know what that actually looks like and the mom's kind of like caught in between where she really wants to believe um but at the same time i don't think she's fully committed at that point and i thought that was an interesting uh take on it um but it, it's it's interesting because at some point like we we know that the dad's presence is there but it's also a more far sinister presence in the house which is the one that actually uh makes that sort of connection with the youngest daughter in the planchette scene when she's actually looking through it. Because uh, initially we do have the tease of like a shadowy mm -hmm. figure. Do we know that Dad was there from the get-go? Well, it was sort of mysterious. Like the was... daughter thinks so, but she's like, but I've never seen him. Right, it's it's acting like the dad. Yeah. Uh, which I think is sort of, I, I sort of interpreted as sort of that... Uh, like exorcist thing mm -hmm. where uh and this is kind of a thing with using the ouija board as well when people warn you against using the ouija board is that when you're communicating with spirits you don't really know who you're communicating mm -hmm. with and they might make it they might try to deceive you mm -hmm. and tell you that they're you know the dad or the person you want to talk to, but really you're talking to well once the uh the priest character is introduced with henry thomas they um, they put it to the test. That's he actually starts explaining how they can deceive you. So he says, "Well, um, it, it's very short sentences, maybe mm -hmm. just one or two syllables. I just heard a woman's voice. Was that really my wife? Or you know, that was great. <clears throat> that was yeah. I like. I really liked how the thing that's cool about all that mm -hmm. stuff that happens in the middle is that it's like, you know." The, in the beginning of the movie, she's deceiving. She's kind of deceiving people. Mm -hmm. She's not really like a and real. Then she gets and then she. And then it turns out the tw twist, like the spirits are real, mm -hmm. and then twist again. The spirits are deceiving her using the same kind of techniques that she uses. That's to right. People. I kind of, like kind of went over my head a little bit. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a... yeah, but. We we know the dad was there for two reasons. One, uh, the mom asks, uh, you know, the guy like where uh, you know he was when he found out that but... she was pregnant, which which he knew. Uh -huh. But the, there's the other sequence when the dad moves the doll that he gave the mm -hmm. eldest daughter, oh. so he could stop the whispers. So but then the daughter wasn't getting okay, so the taken over by the spirits. Was, uh... 
asking the dad where he was when she told him that she was pregnant. Later in the movie, they bring up the fact that the ghosts have been there the entire time watching them, so they knew that that, that happened because they, they were there mm-hmm. when it happened. And so that was sort of implied that it wasn't the dad. And then later with the doll with the sewn face, it's really macabre when it first comes up. So you don't assume it's the dad. You assume it's an evil spirit. You don't find out until the very end that, um, spoiler alert, that it was the dad and he was doing it in order to stop the spirits. So I, he, I would have claimed that, yes, he, I guess he was there from the get-go, but he wasn't communicating with them from the get-go. Well, it's a, it's a little of both, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's so. like he's there and he's around, but mm-hmm. also uh, the demon is using, is pretending to be him too, and is trying to trick the girl too. I think it's kind of both. Where we're gonna split the, we're gonna split the difference, T. We're both right. Which, when we, which <laughs> is around the time that we see the demon, by the way, which. Uh, Reminded me a lot of uh, Insidious, mm-hmm. the demon from that one, <laughs> the so Dark scary. Mall demon. I know the Dark Mall <laughs> from Insidious, and this was similar. But um, but yeah, I kind of thought it was like on one hand the spirits, the evil spirits were tricking the girl mm-hmm. and everybody that the dad was there, but at the same time the dad was actually there and was trying to influence and help. Interesting, just wasn't very stuff. good at it powerful enough or whatever because ultimately he didn't he didn't have enough practice i don't want to jump ahead too much but uh the thing with the sewn mouth so the doll with the mouth sewn shut does turn out to be from the advice from the dad about how to stop the whole thing from happening but is yeah like you were saying is like kind of dark so you don't think it's hit coming from him yeah and is kind of fucked up i don't want to jump ahead to the end but it's like well not only that but we find the doll after which again we're skipping just a tiny bit ahead we find the doll after the older daughter has a nightmare about her mouth fusing together mm-hmm. yeah and like so the Matrix. right so when you see that doll you imagine that it's it's based off of that nightmare that yeah. she had and it seems bad because like her mouth seals shut so you figure that's bad <laughs> yeah i would also assume that was bad and was very much like the matrix <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with agent smith keanu you know you know keanu reeves right no, uh, <laughs> that guy keanu. uh but um <laughs> And okay, I lost it. Now I lost my train. All right, so we were talking about the the sewn mouth, the dad yes, the, the whole time. Mouth. Okay, did you and get the that? dad was there, okay. and we see the demon, and it's very CGI, which leads to my main complaint about the movie uh, is the CGI. Uh, it's 2016 that this movie came out, mm-hmm. which is the height of the stretchy demon mouth CGI. True. Uh, I looked it up. I, I looked. Oh, really? I literally looked it up because I was like, I was watching this movie, and it's like the whole first half of the movie is so kind of grounded and realistic, and it mm-hmm. has that slow pace of like a seventies horror movie, like Exorcist or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it does a few of these moments, and leading up to this point where you get that. Uh, stretchy CGI mouth. Stretchy mouth. And I actually was like, wait a minute. 
because this movie felt really modern for the first part of it. Uh, it feels, I mean, modern, quote unquote, it, in terms of being like in the conjuring and insidious kind of vein of horror sure, yeah. that are kind of harkening back to older style. Um, and I was like, wait a minute, this stretchy mouth is from a while that I, I associate that with kind of mid early two thousands kind of horror stretchy mouth. John knows. Um, and so I had to stop and Google and look it up. And but sure enough, 2016 was actually the height of it. And there is, if for anyone who wants to just go down a little rabbit hole on YouTube, there is Andrew Kramer, which is <laughs> he's a big YouTube visual effects guy. And in 2016, I believe the same year that this movie, or maybe it was a year before this movie came out, 2015, he posted his. Uh, demon face transformation that you would do with visual Ooh. effects which is the whole like a lot of people sort of point to this video as the main stre big stretchy that you see in tons of horror movies of this era where the mouth stretches bigger i had to make a weird tangent on this because it's such a it's very weird i and i have a, a bias against it mm -hmm. i it was my least favorite thing about it. I think it still works. It was still scary. I mean, um, I basically, for the, the, the scariest part of the movie for me was uh, that really jarring scene after the little girl has already been thoroughly, I guess, uh, possessed. Mm -hmm. uh, and this this will happen. There's a couple of things that happen in the movie that we're jumping over. So we're jumping over the introduction of the priest. We're right. jumping over the... Um, the, a couple of school scenes, which include the little girl being bullied mm -hmm. and sort of setting uh, setting up a couple of, of, uh, of scenes that will happen later on, which are really interesting. And what else are we skipping over? Oh, yeah. And then the mother taking her out of school in order to, once they realize that she can't connect with spirits, taking her out of school so that they can make money and actually have real seances, which, um, again, a lot of character development. There are a lot of interesting things. But I guess I've decided to fuck all that so that we can jump ahead to the one scene that really scared me the most, which is where um, the a very uh, choppy, quick moving, her whispering like poison into her sister's mm -hmm. ear while she's sleeping. Mm -hmm. That shit actually gave me nightmares. <laughs> <laughs> I had nightmares that night, and I woke up in the middle of the night, <laughs> and uh, I remember I looked over and I like last night. Or you no, know, a couple of nights ago when I watched it, I think I watched it Sunday night or maybe, no, it would have, Sunday night, yeah. And uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and I look over and sure enough, there's some like shadows that kind of look like a demon and I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm like, great, look what I did to myself and I won't be able to sleep. So then I had to sedate myself with a whole lot of social media. Nice. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I. But it was just, but just going to say like, that was that good of a scene that even though there wasn't a lot happening. It's just her moving in like a demonic, quick way, mm -hmm. but just doing that creepy little whisper part into her into her sister's ear, mm -hmm. like it it, it kind of shook me a little bit. There was nothing inherently scary about it, other than like I don't know, just no. I, I liked that. That was good. That was kind of how the demon would get you was yeah. that they would it would talk to you, mm -hmm. and because she does that a few times. Right, right. Characters. She does it with the boyfriend, but let's not jump too far. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's very it's like Amityville, which is cool too because yes. it's kind of like the demon thing of like it. 
uses, you know, it talks you, it sort of talks into your head right. all these, like, negative, horrible things that make you go crazy. Which is, it's, it's a neat sort of concept, I mean, because it's so, um, it, it's, it's so close to home in terms of, like, you know, how people are toxic to each other or how, like, you can just uh, manipulate somebody just through talking mm-hmm. to them and just them being exposed to you that way. So it's interesting. I liked it. And I liked the shot, too, because it did the thing where she is sort of, like, perched on her and has... It's very, yeah. like, Nosferatu Dracula, where almost like she's drinking her, like, biting her neck right. and drinking her blood, but... It's actually just whispering. Just talking it and then after there. that, you see a couple more of the open mouths, white eyes, which mm-hmm. was creepy, I thought. I thought it was effective. I... For me, I, I thought, like, the movie was so kind of grounded and realistic mm-hmm. that some of the more extreme CGI pulled me out of it. And I mm-hmm. felt like they could have done the white eyes thing in a lot of the cases, and it would have been just as creepy than to do the mouth part of it. Interesting. But I did, like, I didn't dislike all of it or anything like that, but it was just kind of like, I don't know, it, I guess... It maybe affected me a little more, the open mouth thing, because of the fact of paying attention to behind the scenes stuff a lot. And so the, it's sort of the like meta aspect of it kind of ruined it. And I think uh, you're right in that it's, it, people don't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, nobody does that anymore. Yeah, so, and it's an old special effect, but I'm wondering if maybe that's why I thought it was kind of effective again, because I haven't mm-hmm. seen it in so many years. That maybe to yeah. see it again, I was like, ugh. <laughs> and that's the thing is if you don't have it in your mind that this is It'll like a trope of of visual effects, then it's not gonna affect you negatively in that way either. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you're gonna be like, oh But it's interesting, I mean, like we have so many different mm-hmm. elements. So uh, I mean uh I, I really like uh the the <laughs> haunting of Hill House. I'm trying so hard not to say the hill on Haunted Hill or the house on Haunted Hill. <laughs> The Haunting of Hill House, um, you know, that one was such a, you know, just atmospheric, really nice, you know, slow burn kind of horror uh, show. And to have all of those elements into this movie and then very purposefully sprinkled around there just to, you know, to to hit certain notes for, for a movie that, that's called Ouija, uh, the jump scares and the CGI effects, um... I don't know if it cheapens it or or ele- or you know sort of complements it, but mm-hmm. it's it's an interesting sort of take on that. Like I'm not sure that I how I feel about it. I mean, it, it, 2016 is definitely still that era of almost like feeling obligated to put CGI effects mm-hmm. into movies, where it's like, well, you, that's how you do effects now. That's you got to do that because that's what you do. <laughs> Man, it comes with the package. Did you want them or not? Yeah. <laughs> And what did you think, T? Well, I mean, the 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 effects, like, we, we've seen so many different approaches to it over the years. So, like, there have definitely been cases where we have seen a mixture of practical effects and also CGI that absolutely missed the mark, like, yeah. for the thing remake that, that came out not that long ago, which was absolutely god-awful in, in its own right but yeah there, there are definitely other th- like the the practical effects versus cgi is always everyone's going to prefer practical but you can't always do practical yeah. effects uh for for budget reasons cgi just tends to be a lot quicker 
which is one of the main reasons why uh, people tend to go in that direction. But, like, I, I wasn't, like, so drawn back that it, like, completely took me out of the movie. Um, but, you know, some I, I think, like, as a whole, like, I don't necessarily remember too much or, like, I'm not as... I don't remember the stretchy mouch as much as like when the the youngest daughter is initially taken over when she's doing her her march and she's getting like literally pulled to the ground completely like that like that to me is the most effective scene. In the I like the, I like the way that she's like slowly lowered to the ground, like she's bending backwards, and then. You kind of mm-hmm. see the perspective like from her view as yeah. she falls, but it's just kind of very slowly and lightly. She just kind of. Well, they're not trying to beat her up. They need that body. Well, exactly. <laughs> the, the demon wants her healthy. She he, she doesn't want her. The demon doesn't want her harmed. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, that was a good part. And he's kind of shoving his arm down her. Oh, throat, that was creepy too. Yeah. Body, basically. Oh, it's creepy. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, that's why oh, her neck hurts. Is that what that is? Yeah. yeah. You know, aspirin's not going to fix and that shit. And the fact that it talks through her probably hurts her. Right, too. that's true. <clears throat> because, I mean, at this point, when she has that conversation mm-hmm. with her sister, she's already been doing the seances, I think, right? Which, uh, that was another thing I did, like, uh, that I want to point out that you mentioned, uh, is uh, I like how it's like the mom is the psychic and the daughters help her. And then when she discovers that the daughter has like seems to have actual powers then she makes the daughter the main psychic right and she becomes like the daughter's assistant and i did kind of wish it not a big knock against the movie but i did kind of wish we got a little bit more of that almost like maybe a montage of the daughter doing readings for people. that would have been cool and also i mean like another big part of it was supposed to be that the oldest daughter felt disconnected from her her family, from her mom and her sister, Mm -hmm. because now she's the one that's, you know, sort of seen something wrong with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she... So it would have been kind of cooler to have a little bit more of a montage there, right? Mm -hmm. And also, I was very interested that the Catholic school part didn't play as much of a role in in the story as you would think. Like, usually when you include a Catholic school... Well, I mean, other than, you know, introducing uh, Henry Thomas as the priest... Who was helping them? Um, there wasn't much going on in the, in the Catholic school. Although I will point out that there are rules about the length of your skirts. They don't look that cute from the get go. Okay? Yeah. They have to be the same. The knee, right? No, no. They, they <laughs> stand up and you stretch out your arms, and then where it lands, that's where that's how that's long your skirt can be, which is usually just at the knee. Um, and then, uh, and I was reminded of all the, all the different things we would do to sort of scam that. Cause I went to a Catholic school. And so what you could do is, uh, I mean, a couple of us tried like kind of raising our shoulders <laughs> yeah. a little yeah, bit. So like... <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing that we would do is as soon as the adults were out of sight, we would roll up our skirts at the no, top at the, way, at, the at the waist. Yeah. To make them, to make them many skirts. <laughs> And so when she's walking around her cute outfit, I was like, no way, man. <laughs> no way. Yeah, that's a little bit too... Uh... It's, it's too cute. It's too stylish. No, like, usually you look very matronly in those in those, out, in those uniforms. You mm-hmm. do not look cute. <laughs> and so, and it is around this time, I believe, that uh, the young girl is writing, is sort of automatically writing things oh, to yes. send their writing. Mm-hmm. That's and a then, cool. Uh, that's a nice 
And the and the one the daughter, mm-hmm. the teen daughter, takes some of the pages and brings them to the school to give them to the priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I did. This is a another random thing that I liked. Uh, is um, I don't know. This is so random, but it, I probably wouldn't have brought it up. It, but it popped into my head. Is uh, she brings the notes to the priest, mm-hmm. and she's like, you know, this is all written in Polish. Can you uh, translate this? Do you know how to read this? And and the guy and the priest uh, is like, oh well, you know, one of the nuns here is from. We Poland, got you. Yeah, and we can train. translate. Yeah. it. And I was like, oh, like, easy. <laughs> and then I love the moment where uh, he goes, he's like, but what is this? And uh, and she goes like, no, oh, hopefully, I, yeah. She's like. I hope it's nothing or nothing. Yeah, in a very cool way, right? Totally. <laughs> and then walks out. You're like, wow, I wish I could talk to my teacher like that. Which, or my boss, whatever. Totally. And I don't know why that stood out to me, but it felt like like in a detective yeah. movie when the detective As puts something into yeah. like the forensic guy and, and mm-hmm. the forensic guy is like, like what? <laughs> Hopefully nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so it was like that kind of moment. And also like, Mm-hmm. The like dramatic repeating of the line, like hopefully nothing, hopefully nothing, you know, like just to, like emphasis, <laughs> yeah. Walked out dramatically, but uh, I love how helpful Henry Thomas was. He wasn't like it wasn't at all part of the story that they had to deal with like small mindedness from anyone yeah. anywhere ever, except for the tiny little bullies. But, yeah, the, that really traditional trope mm-hmm. in these kinds of movies where they're like. Oh, you're just being crazy. You need. You just need some you rest. You need Jesus. Get some sleep. Like here's some sleeping pills. Oh yeah, here's some sleeping pills. Let us date you so you're more at the mercy of the demons. Yeah. Yeah. No, he. Uh, they have that cool scene actually where the kid, the bullies are picking on the young girl. Mm-hmm. And the mom is like, "Oh hell no!" She's like, gets out to go confront them, but then. Uh, Henry Thomas is already there, and he's like, "Hey, Saving you kids!" Yeah, he kind hey, of jumps kids. and stops the bullying. So yeah, he's like a good character all through the story. He never uh, is, mm-hmm. disbelieves them. And let's put a pen in that because I didn't really like his ending in the movie. Mm-hmm. So please tell me that the uh, the <laughs> credit scene that I accidentally skipped. No, it's not about him. <laughs> I guess That's so. Not. But, uh, you know, he at least got the mom out of the house for, for, for date night. You know, that is, that is something. But, you know, I, I thought it was so funny, like, we, with the teenage daughter. You know, first she goes out drinking, and then the next thing you know, there's a boy at the house. <laughs> you know, ooh. And then they do, like, a great scene between the mom and her new boyfriend. Uh, where she's, it like, reading his palm, yeah. and she, like, basically threatens him by... Pushing well, down she was on like his an interesting. He's kind of a character, but kind of a non-character too. He has such a bland face, and he kind of was just there mm-hmm. to do a few things. But he felt like he was supposed to be more of a character, but kind of didn't end up being so much. Of Actually, character. when I saw him, like he had such a bland face that I thought to myself, "I don't care if you die." <laughs> <laughs> I actually thought he was going to be that <laughs> character who was like, oh, like the disbeliever character. That uh, was but he was nice. He was a bad guy. But he was, 
I um and I won't jump ahead, but I love what they do with this with this character or the remains of this character at the end of the movie. It's fantastic. The bungee cord. Well, the well, yeah, but well, no, not, not that just the hanging, but he's been dead for a while, and then he animates again to go after the family, but he's still t- attached to the to the. That, that's what I mean. The bungee cord. Yeah, that he, was like, so cool. He, like bungee cords into the scene, and, like, no! and then like flies out, and she like. The bungee cord. It was pretty great. It was literally like he was bouncing around on that thing like a bungee. But I feel like Mm -hmm. we've gone all over a little bit. Just talking about our favorite bits. All right, let's backtrack it. A little bit. Yeah, one of the... One of the other parts when uh, the youngest daughter is starting to uh, write with the help of the spirits is, uh, you know, the the father character is asking, like... If anyone has been helping her with her homework, because like she's writing in perfect cursive, which she doesn't know how to do uh, to begin with, so that that was initially leaded into the whole uh, Polish diary, uh, which was later explained. Uh, one of the other things we failed to mention is the fact that <laughs> the youngest daughter finds just a bag of money in the basement, <laughs> just conveniently. How did which, she know it was there? Yeah. I- like, I th- like at first I thought that was cool. I mean, I thought it was cool in general, but uh, you know, it was like the spirits help her find money to save the house from being foreclosed mm-hmm. on. But I was like, okay, did like what's going on here? Did the spirits materialize that money? Like, where? Like, why is there just money in the walls <laughs> that they can find, even with the help of the spirits? Why? But then. They say it's like it actually made sense in that. No, yeah, it made lots of sense. That was pretty good. But also, if it was left by, I don't know if it was the dad. Well, that's what she told Mm -hmm. them was that the dad had left it for them there, or like maybe that's what the. But I think that might have been a lie. Oh, for sure, because it was from the evil. It was from the bad doctor. He was stashing money in the wall. Well, yeah. Yeah, because the, the mom oh, yeah. basically yeah, was, yeah. was like, I, I, I knew he was like, like yeah, after I don't think it was the know, talking about this day. Well, she's, she, did, she does convince herself mm-hmm. and all of them that they're talking to the dad mm-hmm. even though they're not. And again, like, goes back to that great, like, sort of, um, that, I don't want to use the word juxtaposition, but, you know, the, the same way that she tricks people into believing her seances, mm-hmm. she tricks, tricks herself, her. yeah. yeah, or, you know, they, they, they the believe because they want to believe. Yeah. And, and so do they, which I thought was it's, it's very, very neat. Like, oh, it's dad's money, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that scene where Henry Thomas does the, like, it was just, like, you. they were just giving short answers to anyone. Yeah, that was amazing. How the, ghost, the demon is scamming her. It's so, I mean, okay, so Henry Thomas gets the pages translated, which turn out to be our, our lore for the movie. Mm-hmm. Were you happy with the lore, John? Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that didn't sound it very convincing. <laughs> a bit, like, I mean, I'll ding it slightly for being. That's two points now, Henry Thomas. Totally. Two points <laughs> off. Second point off slight for being. The lore is slightly <laughs> generic in terms of, like, you know, this is a story we've seen in other stories and other things mm-hmm. where you have the, like, the Nazi science spoilers. The spoilers Nazi scientists, the Nazis, Nazis. Uh, who's in hiding in America, <laughs> in the suburbs or in the country, and they have continued to do bad things. And 
you know, we find out that, of course, uh, there's been a Nazi scientist doing Nazi experiments. In the suburbs. Which is pretty outlandish when you say it out loud that in this suburban house mm-hmm. there was a Nazi scientist doing experiments. But I mean, yep. I mean, like in reality, though, the, there were a lot of Nazi scientists that were just brought to the U.S. Oh, yeah, that's their lives here. Yeah, that's, that's just Pro- real. Project Paperclip. Is that what it's called? That's what it's called. Oh. When, uh, at, at the end of World War II, not uh, when the Nazis were defeated, the American military said to all the Nazi scientists, "You have a choice. Mm-hmm. You can come work for us, or you choice. can go to jail for the rest of your life." Mm. And uh, and a bunch of Nazi scientists came and worked <laughs> in America and were given new identities. And yeah, and then a bunch went to Argentina. Actually, famously, there's that also that Stephen mm-hmm. King story about the kid who finds out that his neighbor is an ex-Nazi scientist and then like, or an ex-Nazi in general and then bribes him into like teaching him his ways. Remember, remember that? It's a, they made a movie out of it in the nineties, I think, but I'm trying to remember. Oh, I can almost think of the name of it, but it's, it's out of it. But anyways, T look it up. Not Stephen <laughs> King, kid, Stephen King, neighbor. Nazi scientist, neighbor, kid. <laughs> You're a good bully insertion. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Hold on. So I mean, I didn't hate that 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 plot idea, you know. Yes, at pupil. Uh, so with uh, game, uh, with, at uh, pupil. Oh yeah. Um, shoot. I've never heard of it. Yeah, I can't remember his real name. I'm mm-hmm. trying to think. It's Ian uh, McKellen. Ian McKellen. Yeah. yeah. Is I was thinking not- Jeremy Irons. Like that's not right. But I didn't hate it or anything. But I, you know, it's a, it's an interesting idea. But you know, it's a classic. But again, it's from 2016. Mm-hmm. I mean, 2016 doesn't seem that like long ago. But I guess it's been a long time. Now that I think about it's it, it's eight years ago, which is kind of crazy. And Six, yeah, or seven to eight years. Seven. And yeah. that's also the yeah. <laughs> seven. <laughs> a lot of crazy things seven. that happen. So, Man, so, so I guess important. eight years is a lot. It, it, just, it just feels like eight years. Uh, but yeah, so our our evil scientist, or at least, uh, you know, the the spirit version of him is That's played right. by everyone's no, favorite fuckable amphibian man. I saw Doug it all Jones. Right, yeah. Wait, who is he? <laughs> Does he just do the, the voice? Demon. No, he does the body, too. Oh, so he's the demon that we see mm-hmm. in there? Oh, okay, nice. I did not know that. Yeah. I looked up the cast because once I started noticing the characters were the same from the the haunting on Hell House, I was like, "Wait a minute!" And then Is I'm, he in that too? Is that in that I don't think so. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. I don't know at all. But uh, I once I started once I recognized um, the very first actress whose name I don't remember, but uh, she was the um, the daughter at the very beginning, the seance that was trying to con her dad. Mm-hmm. She has no other role in the movie, mm-hmm. but it's like it's so weird that. Um, Mike Flanagan used her there, not in anything else. I guess there wasn't another role for her in the movie, to be honest. But she's so pretty and she's so striking. Like, she's got such a presence that you see her and you expect to keep seeing her. And then you're like, was that it? She just got, like, two, she just got one line and now that's, and now she's gone. Bye. Sorry. So, (laughs) anyways, once I noticed her, I guess I'm gushing a little bit. Once I noticed her, I went online to see, like, the cast. And that's when I saw that dude. I was like, what the fuck is this? doing here well he's like the new he's or not the new but i mean relatively new. but right. he's like the guy sort of he's like the Andy Serkis. yeah he's in everything yeah it, it, 
Guillermo del Toro. Loves that movie. Guillermo <laughs> del Toro movie, practically. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, and he as played the uh, the pale man in, in, in the Hellboy movies, and also the the guy in the the yeah the Shape of Water. The guy gets a lot of work. The Shape of Water, definitely. Yeah, so of course this uh, Polish writing, which is uh, being done by the English daughter, ends up basically. Uh, being like the journal from someone who was actually held captive by the sadistic scientist who was, you know, experimenting on these people who we uh, had locked up in the basement at that point in time. And, you know, it's it's that it's at that part of the movie where it's like you're either going to dock a couple of points for the movie or just think like it feels a little disjointed just because it's it, it really like puts the pedal to the metal in the third act of the movie because, you know, you have this slow, methodical pace, uh, which is really laid out. And then it kind of goes through a lot of the more modern horror tropes. And it's a lot all at once. So, you know, like, that's one of the reasons why, like, I I really enjoyed this movie, but the third act kind of pulls it back a little bit. It makes my my thoughts on it a little bit more restrained. But overall, like, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I understand completely why people just look at the third act and they're just, like, they kind of groan at it because they just throw so much shit at you, like, one after the other. And also, um, if I get this straight, so the demon, or not the demon, the... The ghost that is coming after her and using her and abusing her and being weird and That's if, uh, yeah. he's one of the victims of the doctor. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a little confusing. And um, later on in the movie, mm-hmm. you find out that the reason that he's got that sort of poison, you know, talking thing is because he uh, the bat the evil doctor would sew him up, right? So that they wouldn't scream or something. They're cut out their tongues. They're kind of their tongues. That's right. So and so he took their voices. Took out their vocal cords. Yeah. Which I think was a real thing. Unfortunately, something they did in Nazi experiments was to do that kind of stuff. Jesus. Take out vocal cords. So I mean, because they did this, then they didn't have a voice, so they were using the little girl as a voice. And then later on, they were talking about how they wanted to take over the entire family, use them all to use them as their voice, but also doing evils. So it's it was kind of a interesting approach to say these are the victims of a nazi doctor they're the bad guys it's very it's very muddled it's there. not clear i'm like wait do i hate those guys or the not i mean we hate the nazis right <laughs> early in the movie when they're kind of are giving clues that mm-hmm. it's like we think that the girl is talking to her dad mm-hmm. but we get clues that she's not they mentioned Marcus right so early on in the right, movie. Right, that's Marcus, true. Yeah. Who is the victim of the Nazi scientist? One of the victims of the Nazi scientist, the one who's writing the right. journal. And that's what's so weird and kind of muddled about it is that you get the sense that Marcus is the main leader, bad yeah. mm-hmm. spirit, and then it's also confusing because we see that demon character. We literally see it, and it looks like a traditional demon. That's Marcus, yeah. Well, that's the thing. Is that Marcus? That's supposed to be Marcus. Is it the Nazi scientist? It's Marcus, because, well, and maybe this is wrong, but I'm basing this on, Mm -hmm. um, again, when I went to check out the cast, 
and I saw that dude who, you know, is we just were talking about, I forget his name all the time. Um, his name there listed in IMDb is Marcus. The demon? Yeah. See, that's weird. Yeah, that's weird because Marcus is yeah. the victim yeah. of the Nazi science. And, so, and then to shut them up or to, you know, overpower the ghosts, you have to sew up their mouths and take their voice again away like the Nazi scientists. Which is, yeah, that's how you defeat the thing. Oh. Which is like, yeah, which is uh, <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Wait, what? <laughs> Are we the baddies? I know. <laughs> and that's the thing is like, is the demon... That was a confusing thing. Is the demon a demon? He's like, not. Is it just, it's he's just—he's an angry human spirit, right? And then traditionally, what you would do, like with a story where you have an angry spirit that's doing bad things, mm -hmm. but it's doing it because it was wronged. They just want to like put, put wanna, that story out there. Yeah. yeah. And once you solve the mystery of what happened and you kind of yeah. tell their story, then they're like, "Oh, oh they're at peace. peace. They can go into the lake." Right. But that never happens no, with Marcus. No. And it's also never, it's weirdly muddled where it's like, once all hell starts to break loose in the third act, it's like, who is the, who is like the motivating evil force doing this? Is it Marcus? Is it the scientist or some sort of demonic force that's Is it a just bunch of other hell? people? Or the other because they always say they like they because there's a bunch of victims. Yeah, we see the passports yeah. or whatever of all the people that he kept captured. And were those like you know what kind of victims were those? Were those just like hitchhikers and shit or what? Well, they all. It, it, I mean, he's a Polish dude, so we're. I mean, weird like, the pictures. Is he supposed to like, be like a World War Two like you know uh, victim? Well, the weird thing was like. Uh, so this is World War Two, post World War Two, where he right, was, it's uh, the sixties, yeah. Brought over. So, well, here in the U.S., are his victims? The, I mean, supposedly because of the the science lab somehow located under a suburban house, mm -hmm. um, which he built there like himself. I guess. But it's so weird that it's so roomy down there. But okay, it's huge. Yeah, when they showed <laughs> that place, I was like, damn, Wait, what? Massive. Nobody found this room. <laughs> Yeah, seriously, bigger on the inside than and, and like the so TARDIS. I, basically, like on the Ada, inside. which I'm trying to say in a very delicate way because <laughs> it's kind of creepy to say it this way. But it's like, are these like supposed? To, I mean, these were uh, people that were victimized in the U.S. in that house. Yeah, that's what's weird is the pictures look the way that when they go through the pictures of the mm -hmm. victims, it looks it. To me, visually, it looks like they're trying to call to mind, like, Nazi atrocities. Yeah, exactly. Which makes you think of, like, he's victimizing, like, Jewish that's people. That's what I'm thinking. I was trying to say that. In yeah. But and, I'm like, that's really weird. And that they're, like, adults. And so I guess, I know, that's the Because he got the, the passports, thing, like, he got a Polish person. I'm like, but that's what I was like, where is he getting these people mm -hmm. from? Like, that's the thing, is that he's apparently getting them from America, from the neighborhood. Or from the area, which How is... How does that work? I mean, I guess back then they didn't have the crime, you know, but I mean, it is odd. Like they didn't have that like, There's a whole stack of pictures. It's like 20 people. It's, it's like, just It's weird. a lot of victims that he's got. So... I just, yeah. And it, it I, was, it, I, I couldn't, I hadn't, I hadn't dedicated enough thought to understand where he got his victims from. And I agree, as T was saying, 
For me, for sure, the third act is where it starts to kind of fall apart a bit. At that point, all you have to hold on to are the uh, the jump scares, the a little bit of the acting, um, which honestly, it's not. It, there's there's enough meat there to hold on to. I mean, I was I can't remember what I was doing. I think I had to watch it in two parts because I started it too late or something, and so I paused it and then went to sleep, had the nightmare, woke up, finished it the next morning. Um, so. Uh, I think I was a little disconnected from the movie the second time around. Mm -hmm. And so then that's, and I remember when I came back to it was when the daughter, the young daughter is alone with the boyfriend and she was like, Oh, I got something to show you. Takes him downstairs, tells him, you know, tells him about the money and tells him there's jewels down there. Mm -hmm. And so gets him to like start digging around, which who the fuck puts their arm into a old ass wall. Wait, I got to point out too, that when that happens, when she get the girl gets that guy to go down there and reach into the She's wall. She's so creepy already. This is, this happens after she has That's described me. to him about strangling to death. to death. She's already done the whole, like, I'm a creepy psychotic little girl. Yeah. <laughs> but he's like, I'm a girl. I'm a still girl. goes down there and does that. It's like, no, you would, that guy would never do that at that point. Would you guys do that if you were, you know? I mean, what if she's a little kids so he's yeah. like thinking oh she can't do anything she can't she's just a little much, girl yeah. but the way that he takes it in good faith the way he's like oh yes i will listen mm -hmm. to you and we will go down there and do this it's like this girl just described to you what it's like to murder somebody which by the way this may make me sound like a bad person <laughs> but but uh, that speech, when that little girl gives that speech about strangling sure. somebody to death, I was totally like, this is how little kids are. This, this, is, little, this, is, this is not an unusual thing. Is this thing. why you don't have kids? <laughs> little, kids little kids do that shit. Like, a yeah, little kid will, like, out of, just, like, Somebody out of pocket, you know. yeah. like, some little kids will, like, describe to you, like, the most weird, off- the wall, like, random oh, yeah, absolutely. shit like that. Absolutely. And I was just like, that's, yeah, it's like, that's why, like, I probably, I don't have kids, because this <laughs> is what kids are actually Too like. creepy. Um, and I was gonna say, The, the only thing that would make it better, <laughs> exactly. though, is if, like, you preface it by saying, hey, guess what I learned at school today? That's the Just thing, to, like, like, further like, freak out whoever it was, like, you know? I mean, that'd be the best way to put it together. How did you, why do you know that? And I was also going to say, like, <laughs> I hope you guys would know better than to follow, uh, what, like a nine-year-old down into a basement alone? Yeah. But then again, it's the 60s. Yeah, it's the 60s. You know. but, uh, but, uh, but now it's like, nah, girl, we're going to stay up here where there's light and windows and people know we are. <laughs> but, and another thing I want to point out about the third act that uh, I noticed and I... I made me want to kind of ding the movie a little bit too was That's that three points now. And a third point for the movie and i did overall like the movie though but mm -hmm. uh, i liked it a lot yeah but uh was that they burn so they there's like a thing some stuff happens and then they are like oh the ouija board is bad and they throw oh, it oh yeah and burn it. And the Ouija board is not a part of the story for the entire third act. That's true. And that's a problem because this is the Ouija movie and the Ouija board is such a big part of the story in the first two <laughs> acts of the movie that... It's in the title. Yeah. 
eliminating it entirely from the third mm-hmm. act of the movie is a mistake. It would have been cool if it didn't burn. Well, they needed. Yeah, yeah. Normally, normally when a Ouija board is burned in like the other yeah. titles, we see it. Mm-hmm. You know, back like, on the like, like the table, pristine and everything. So it can't be. Destroyed. And it should have. Should have. I, I was thinking it should have played a role in solving. Yeah, the absolutely. Or at least like being able to track the the ghost with the mm-hmm. planchette or something. Because mm-hmm. I feel like that was an underused. Um, element of the mm-hmm. movie, right? Feature of the movie where, like, if you can see ghosts through the planchette, you should be carrying that fucker around at the end, like, trying to find out where you're, mm-hmm. you know, the source of right, it was yeah, coming from. That would have been really cool, so that's, like, a missed opportunity there, yeah. for sure. Another missed opportunity I was very upset about was uh, Henry Thomas dying from falling mm-hmm. and hitting his head. Yeah, yeah. Excuse me? Mm-hmm. There is a whole science lab full of sharp things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There is a creepy man, you know, slender man walking around. He he's gonna die with the, from a from a step in a in, in a staircase. That's very yeah. unsatisfying. I was not generally happy with the end, very ending of the movie in mm-hmm. terms of like mm-hmm. how ev- essentially everybody dies, uh, and the girl, the teen girl, is kind of left as like the last. Yeah. This really felt like the kind of story that should have been more kind of along the lines of The Conjuring where everybody kind of makes it out alive. Like, maybe Henry Thomas dies. That's acceptable. I thought he was going to come back, actually. Yeah. But I felt like the family, the daughters and the mom should have all lived. Although, you were going to... No, just, essentially, just, it felt, it just didn't feel, not that I wanted, like, a happy ending, necessarily, but it just felt like, why are we killing all these characters? Like, what is the point? Yeah. And also, like, the death scenes were a little weird. Like, so, the mom death scene was, Mm. out of nowhere, the teenage daughter gets possessed and stabs her mom, and then she's no longer possessed? And then not possessed. And then the whole family's together? And then uh, I, the one thing I did really like, though, uh, was when, well, first of all, yeah, at the end of the, that scene where everybody's dead except for the teenage daughter, I was like, okay, you've sewn people's mouths shut. You've stabbed your mother. There's no way you can explain this away. <laughs> Wait, but what about, I have to just, to just pause at this point, the scene where the teen daughter is sewing up the girl's mouth, mouth yeah. and they're kind of doing the weird psycho she- scene where she's like, wah, 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 there's no blood on her or anything. They just show her doing it. Yeah. I was like, what? I was like, <laughs> literally like, what is happening? Oh, I knew. Is she stabbing her with the needle so or is she sewing? Because she's doing this motion. <laughs> it's like, and then, yeah, when you see the soda mouth, there's no blood. There's no blood. That, the thing is, like, to do that is a pretty gruesome act because it's going to be really bloody and of course the the most horror and um horrifying part of it for like horror fans i would say is the threading right Mm. so the those things were completely removed and i'm guessing it's just to keep the the rating that they had for the movie Mm -hmm. but um yeah Uh, i mean it's because it's a very gruesome act right and so whenever you see it in any movies uh you you see how bloody it is they show like a a bit of the threading action because that's the stuff that's going to get under your skin so it was like it was really interesting that's like that's 
you chose this as your pinnacle or like the big climax, but you can't even use it because of yeah. the rating of the movie. And it is like, and it feels edited and it, and it will be very grotesque. It's one sister doing this to another sister and, and a little girl. Like it's a very, like, it's a very jarring sort of idea, right? Concept. So you can't go full blown with it anyway. So it seemed like a little like, why even bother having this be your ending when you can't really work with it that much, you know? But also it's like, again, to go back to the kind of traditional ghost story thing, Mm -hmm. the idea of silencing the ghost as a way of defeating it is not right. Like, that's not how it works. And I, 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 it's fine to sort of subvert expectations sure. or, or change up the It's genre. all made up anyway. But it feels weird when you're talking about Nazi scientists. Victims of a scientist. And victims of a Nazi scientist and silencing the victims of a Nazi that... scientist <laughs> to defeat them is odd. I was weird. like, did I get this wrong? Like, I had to backtrack a little bit. I'm like, wait, Marcus wasn't the Nazi. He was the victim. I yeah. was like, what the hell's going on here? When I fully expected too, I thought at the very end it would sort of be like, haha, it's actually the Nazi scientist. It's yeah, the real but we never villain. saw the Nazi but scientist. That doesn't quite right? get, if that's what they were going for, that's never really explained. We never saw anything referencing the Nazi scientist like a, a ghost after, mm-hmm. after, uh, after life sort of, you know, element of his, right? Not that, not that I saw. It seemed to be Marcus was the. Make primary antagonist. Uh, so we just couldn't give Marcus any peace, and then now he's crawling around the walls of an institution waiting for his sister mm-hmm. to. An exa- by the way, an example of uh, like subverting that idea in a fun way is the is the Ring movie, at least the American version, where the reporter woman tells the story of Samara, and she's like, "Oh, like she finds her." In the oh realm, yeah, trust and the she's like, I've told yeah. your story and now you can be, go off and be happy. She's like, no, bitch. And so I was like, <laughs> yeah, she's like, no, I'm just evil. I just like killing people. Uh, they, where they're just like, nope, that doesn't solve the mystery. But uh, That would have been cool. But yeah, because I mean, I was just kind of confused a little bit about what was going on. Yeah, no, but... it, it felt very much like they maybe didn't Think have it all figured it out. Yeah. They spent all the money on Henry Thomas. So, okay, so I wasn't happy with how Henry Thomas died. I wasn't happy how the mom died. Because, again, very unceremoniously, very quick. Uh, I thought she might live. Me too. I thought it might be like the fake out death. where we That's what I thought with Henry Thomas too. And then I figured, oh, well, maybe they're setting it up for like future movies. So that's what I was wondering if they ever came up. But you're saying that they didn't. Um, I did like that she ended up in a, in a insane asylum because it's like, you can't get out of that. Your boyfriend's nope. mean from a rafter over here. You're, you stabbed your mom. You sewed up your sister. Like, yeah, you're going into an institution. And I didn't feel, I didn't feel like they earned that ending. It didn't mm-hmm. feel like, to me, it didn't mm-hmm. feel like that's what we were working towards. Yeah. I, it really felt like, why is she the, why is she like... The one, it's like, I don't know how to put this, but it's like, there are other horror movies where maybe like The Shining, I don't know, where a person is sort of manipulated by supernatural forces into doing bad things. And then it's like, oh no, like I was manipulated. But this girl was sort of 
manipulated into by her dad doing the bad things and ending up in the asylum. But it's like, why? Like, what did she do, or what was in the story that made it that she that oh, she, needed that she to deserved be that? You mean like, yeah. like you mean like morally in the in yeah. ethically to put the character in that position? Yeah, I don't think anything, and I think they were just going for like you know the unhappy ending, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, and like, I, oh, one one little note was that uh, I did enjoy how at the very end she uses her own blood to create a Ouija board on the floor. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a nice touch. I was like, ooh, spooky. Mm-hmm. And then when the when her sister's coming and crawling on the on the ceiling, then I thought I was like, I'm sorry, what now? What's happening now? What is yeah. Marcus up to now? He's out of the house now. Yeah, that ending was very. Uh, I thought the little girl was sewn up and dead now. And, and it's like, oh, she's back, and she's walking on the ceiling. I mean, and she can't. That can't be corporeal. It's got to be a ghost. It's just that was very tacked on, like the. I thought you were gonna say like that was very tacky. <laughs> it was tacky. That was tacky, and, <laughs> and it was tacked on where it's just like and tacky and tacked on. It's just the like, yeah, you know, like we're leaving ourselves open for a sequel. It's but, like they just kind of pulled a couple of different names out of a hat, like, and then this person's coming back. Also, you know, in terms of undeserved deaths in terms of the way the story was and, like, why did this happen. The young girl, too, it's like... Yeah, she didn't do anything. There wasn't really she anything. Was nice. if, if any... Yeah, in these kinds of stories, that girl should live because yeah. she's the... She's an innocent who's being taken over. She didn't do anything to be possessed. And also, what exactly killed her? Right. No, that... Yeah, no, that's the other thing. She gets her mouth shut and she's dead. I'm sorry, but people get piercings in their lips all the time. Nose and you don't I didn't know she was dead her. until I saw her ghost standing next to her dad. Yeah. No, I was confused by mm-hmm. that too because you would not die from having your. It would hurt and you might have some blood mm-hmm. bleeding, but. And here's another fun part. So, what did the dad do? He, he showed the doll. With the sewn lips. Uh-huh. And then, it, and then so that the teen daughter And that fixed nothing. Right. To defeat. But oh, she oh, saved her life. and But, but then she got possessed and killed her mom. But ultimately the dad's advice results in the death of the young daughter. Uh-huh. And results in the teenage daughter ending up in an asylum. Uh-huh. And results the in the mom. mom. And don't forget the boyfriend, too. That so, fucker didn't even see it coming. The dad's help was not <laughs> really that great. Bear fucker. Yeah. Just so... It's- when it's... Oh, uh, I mean, he brought most of them, you know, together. Again, so, you know. <laughs> and we've seen this in some other movies where, you know, the ghost, <laughs> the good ghost comes to help. Yeah, uh, like the Christmas tree. The tree bench. <laughs> yeah, or was it... Uh, that's yeah, the good the, ghost come and rescue. The killing yeah, killing tree. tree. <laughs> uh, but the ki- yeah, the killing tree. Or even one of my favorite games, Conan the Barbarian, Ooh. where the ghost of Valerian, his girlfriend, shows up to save him at the end of the movie. Um, so we see that, but yeah, it, his role... He wasn't a it, great ghost. No. He, he wasn't a great hero ghost. And I'm starting to wonder how good of a dad he was. Because he left him with nothing. Mm-hmm. And it seems clear that they were trying to have his ghost be like... 
he's the ghost that's trying to help and try to influence yeah. in a positive way while the other ghost is trying to be evil and bad. But it wasn't, that's another muddled part of the story where his role is not that clear and not that great written. The cast was wonderful, though. I can't get, I can't say enough good things about all of those mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. whose names I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but uh, if it wasn't, I mean, I think 80% of the movie, the heavy lifting was done by their acting and um, maybe another 15% with the pretty nice production uh, value that they had. And it really feels like those shows, like the American Horror Story and mm-hmm. ha- Haunted Hill House and uh, those more those current uh, horror TV series, it had that feel. Yeah. It was kind of ahead of its now. time yeah. in feeling like that even before he had made those things. All right, T, so you got to tell us, uh, what is the, oh, yeah. the the scene in the credits that we missed? credit scene. Yeah. Is it, uh, is, does Samuel L. Jackson show up and recruit her for the Avengers? <laughs> yeah, so... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so after we have the whole, uh, credits, which are all, like, done with, like, the planchette magnifying in, uh, we go back to the insane asylum with Lena, and she's an adult, so it's fast-forward to, like, 20 or 30 years or horrible oh. long, but we find out that oh, okay. Lena is actually know, Paulina yeah, who that. is in the first Ouija movie. Yeah, we haven't seen it, so we don't know the connection. I think I tried watching and they wanted like five Oh Oh yeah, you wouldn't know that like, because you guys didn't see it. I mean, what, thinking mm-hmm. about, you know, the first movie and how I didn't yeah. watch the movie and, and uh, you didn't watch the movie, I, it was clear watching this movie that it was designed to be its own movie and have no connection to the yeah. first movie whatsoever. Good, I liked it. Probably because, mm-hmm. you know, it got bad reviews and they were like, screw this, we'll try <laughs> yeah. to do it again. But you know what's interesting is I actually, I didn't pay as much, cl- as close of attention mm-hmm. to its flaws until we had this conversation. Mm-hmm. When we watched the movie, I just, I actually just enjoyed it. And mm-hmm. yeah, the yeah. third act was really muddled. And, mm-hmm. but I didn't, um, it moved so quickly that mm-hmm. I didn't spend too much time right. thinking mm-hmm. about all the things that we flushed out of this conversation. <laughs> We're like, wait a minute, Marcus is the bad guy? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, it was, uh, I just, yeah, like I said, I just enjoyed it. And it was, uh, there was enough really good elements in it that it, you know, the, the bad ones didn't really stick. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, overall, I, I really did like it. Yeah. Although now I think that if I were to watch it again, because we did have a conversation, I'm going to, like, be taking those points off that you just, you know. It'll be interesting to watch it again, knowing how it all plays out to kind of see the first half um, of it and see how things are, you know. But yeah, I feel like it's weird because the first three quarters of the movie is really well written and right. put together. And then... Yeah. The way that that last part kind of just becomes kind of more Hollywood horror adventure movie, yeah, almost it's weird. And then like, it the feels like they Nazis. didn't have an ending quite yeah. sorted out, you know. Which is weird. I mean, like, why would you go through the, the the process of making like such a good movie in the beginning and then just like, and also to, your pants at the end, yeah. And to connect also really quickly to. Oculus, it actually is kind of that similar ending to Oculus where like an evil winds kind of shit. Yeah, and the girl the main girl ends up in the you know, going to jail or going to the asylum and 
she was trying to help her brother, but then her brother ends up getting killed. And it almost felt like they were going for that kind of an ending, but I felt this movie felt like it needed more of a conjuring type of ending where it's the actual happy ending where, you know, like I was saying, maybe the priest dies, Mm -hmm. but the family members should have all lived. Mm -hmm. And it should have been like, yay, we figured out that, the Nazi was the bad guy. The Marcus was just trying to get his story out there. So that he could rest in peace. So he could rest in peace and expose the scientist for what he did. Because they never explained why he was evil. We just have to assume that he became so bitter right. at his death that he, he went wanted on to get his story out. That he wanted to kill everybody. What? That he wanted to he wanted to be heard. Right? I mean, that's what's so crazy mm-hmm. about it, is that what? he wanted to be heard, he wanted to be heard, heard, but he was defeated by mm-hmm. having his But okay, so he wanted to be heard and he used her like a puppet for a long time. And they even make it a theme in the movie because the whole speaking through her. Yeah, the whole like stretchy mouth. Voice, because he doesn't have vocal cords or a tongue. And so he has to speak through the girl to be able to communicate. Yeah, no, it's. There's it's a lot. Not, there's well, a lot of. There's a little a little here, yeah. It's a little rough. Do you have any uh, anything else to add? To you? <laughs> I mean, not really. I mean, basically, as I said, like the third act is always the theme that uh, you know is going to make or break the movie for you. But uh, definitely a much more memorable <laughs> experience as opposed to the first movie of the series. Uh, but yeah. You know, the it, it just felt like somebody, even if it like, wasn't really well thought out in regards to like how and they, they have meetings and somebody shows them and they're like, Did you, did you read that? Like, yeah, we read it. Did you like it? It's, it's fine. Like, <laughs> they're like, why did nobody be like, Yeah, yeah studio. Yeah. Says it. It, it, I, I, mean, I would only assume it's studio. Third act yes. plays out, and, and <laughs> you know, the assumption that studio appearance is usually the problem. It, it it wouldn't surprise me if they looked at if the ending of the movie was a little bit more mellow, the way that the general tone and pace of the movie is sort mm-hmm. of mellower and slower paced movie. That if the mm-hmm. I bet the movie had a more slow paced ending, yeah. and the studio said, you know what, we shit. need to punch it up. Yeah, we need more action. We need more ghosts. We need more, we need more craziness. Mm-hmm. And so they basically did that and just kind of. That's exactly what happened. Yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, uh, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but still, good movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, we took, like, I, I jokingly took Arnie two Fowl. points off of the movie, which, three. if we're breaking out of six, was it three? It was a three Wait, uh, was it? You took one point off for the Ouija board not being around later. Yeah, one point for the... <laughs> And one point for the ending. And then was it the cars? No, what was it? The other thing no, you did? I wouldn't take one for the cars. That's just it. <laughs> You're like, no, I like that. <laughs> but it still puts the movie at like a seven or an eight. Basically out of ten is my yeah. point. So <laughs> what I was going to say was uh, whenever I start watching one of the movies we're going to review, and if I if if mm-hmm. it hits a certain amount of notes <laughs> enough for me to like it, because there's so much trash out there, you know, that when you watch a movie and you genuinely start to like it, I get so excited. I text you guys. I'm like, I'm really liking this. I'm 27 minutes in. 
Yeah. I can never wait until the end of the movie so that I could be like, you know, it started off strong in the end. <laughs> I just, I get so excited that I'm watching a movie I like that I, I, I immediately tell everybody. I, it's funny because I actually <laughs> thought of that because when I was watching the movie, I remember how when you said you sent that mm-hmm. message saying you liked it that you were like twenty seven. Yeah, you're like, and, uh, and I was like, oh yeah, that's that makes sense because like the first half of the movie is totally good. <laughs> yeah. Not that it's like terrible in the second half, but it's just like it does go up down a bit in, in the second half. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that first half is so strong that it's like, oh, this is like a everybody a shut up. Movie. It's a good movie. Everybody pay attention. This is a real movie. <laughs> this is a real movie. <laughs> oh my goodness. But yeah, no, still good. Still overall, definitely like a. I even like the fact that there was completely. I mean, did anybody else catch sexual tension between the mom and the priest? Oh, yeah. For, they had that dinner together where they were like, Ooh, uh, they spent it all talking about their dead exes. But, that's uh, fine. And I like that. I like that there can be sexual, uh, unresolved and unaddressed sexual tension. I love that. That's just, <laughs> you know, that's just everyday life. Like, you don't have to fuck everybody you, you kind of have a, you know, crush on. So I, I, I like that part a lot, too, even. But it, it is funny you bring that up because uh, that scene made it feel like there would be a relationship that would yeah. develop between them, but it didn't really go anywhere. It just gave a little bit of seasoning. I liked it. I liked it. Like, maybe they do. Maybe they get drunk and make out. Who knows? But it did, it did kind of make me think, like, oh, ooh, maybe there's going to be a little ooh. bit of, like, they're going to get together. And, <laughs> yeah. In, they get together in heaven. Oh, but the dad's there. But the dad's there. I know mean, it's a problem. There could be like, a triangle. There's no rules in heaven. Yeah. <laughs> They're all about relationships in heaven. And they did that funny shot too. They kind of did that corny shot where they it's like the glowy, like yeah. we're all here in heaven together. We're happy. But they did that before the movie got stabbed. Like, what happened? Like, the dad and the sister just checked out and didn't watch out for mom? Yeah, I know. You got to save that for the... That's like the stuff. <laughs> so nonsensical. You know? mm-hmm. They were all happy ghosts in that yeah, movie. That's Return so... to the <laughs> But, uh... <laughs> but yeah, again, <laughs> not the well thought out ending. No, but... Yeah. <laughs> and no Ouija ending. It's like, you got to have... <laughs> You gotta have that last shot of like the Ouija board moving itself. Yeah. You know, it's like dun dun dun. It's like the and it moved itself and now, you know, we're gonna Or like in paranormal activity where it just catches fire. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, another Ouija related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like they, they could have just ended it with, with uh you know lena in the mental asylum with the blood ouija and not necessarily doing yeah. a hand gesture but just having the actual like glass yeah. moving on well, it they so did that in the end sure that she does have that connection ouija. that she didn't they didn't like show her with her hand right because or did they because i remember thinking like oh she should move her hand yeah, that's what I was thinking, but I, but I think right. they cut away before she they show her. I it. think it was like, are you here? And was she calling out for her sister? Was it? Which incidentally, mm-hmm. that's not your sister. Your sister's in heaven with your dad and mom. Yeah, but then the sister shows sister. up, so she was there, but she was busy. Well, I guess Marcus was busy walking on the ceiling. Well, also, I mean, it's wacky because that's that's 
the sister isn't the evil being. It's the demon Nazi yeah. scientist who's possessing her. No, it's Marcus. So, <laughs> flashing on the little girl at the end doing it makes that no is sense. Like, it doesn't make sense. Because, but it's not, she's not her point. Like, her body <laughs> right. is elsewhere. And she should be happily in heaven now. Yeah. Because she's an innocent who was possessed by the evil. So and, why are we seeing her be the... We should have seen the dark demon guy. I know. Hour movie. and 43 minutes. We haven't figured shit that shit out. Oh, yeah. And we beat the movie. We beat guy. the movie. <laughs> Which, by the way, I do want to say to another little movie, <laughs> it's an hour and 40 minutes, <laughs> hour, roughly. This movie could have been 10 minutes shorter. It could have been an hour and a half, and it might have been a little stronger. But uh, it felt a hair long. Yeah. But, you know, uh, not a big deal. But, mm-hmm. yeah, no, it should have been the demon on the roof, not the Yeah, the girl. demon, not the little girl. True, true. And it felt like they were kind of doing the thing of, like, like you were saying, the sequel. Like, oh, she'll be back for the sequel. But she's not, she's not Samara from The Ring. You know what I mean? Like, you see her back for the sequel for The Rings because she's the main evil ghost. But the little girl isn't the main evil ghost of this story. This isn't a Japanese horror. Yeah, it's the victim <laughs> of, a, of a Nazi scientist that's yeah. the bad guy. Yeah, it's... Uh, oh. Yeah, it's... That's unsavory. <laughs> we're going to have to, like... I don't know. We're going to have to look at endings explained on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody has to explain how this ending makes sense, if it makes sense. <laughs> Let's look at the writers. Let's it's not send quite... send them a letter. Dear yeah. sirs. Explain yourself. Explain yourselves. If anybody's looking at this on Twitter, <laughs> you have to explain the ending. Man. Well, you know, Mike Flanagan did uh, have, like, that really long write-up when they basically said, like, yeah, we're not doing the Midnight Club Ooh. season two. And then, you know, he did a whole thing with all the unanswered questions. Oh. So, who knows? Maybe that maybe someone has asked thing. him about the, oh, the end didn't, for Ouija Origin of Evil. Yep. Oh, cool. That's coming up. That's very good. Yeah, that and next up he Usher has the, uh, the Book of Usher. Usher. It's his next Netflix venture. Nice. Is it going to be period or modern? Do we know? Yeah, it's based on the Edgar Allan Post. Nice. Interesting. I couldn't get through the pale blue. I, I do <laughs> not is, know. I just yeah, know it comes out this year. Uh, yeah. For sure. So it's, and for 2016, it's legit. Because yes. 20, like, like I say, like, that's mm-hmm. not necessarily. That year is not necessarily... I mean, there's good stuff that comes out, obviously, around that time, but that's kind of still that era of some of the main Hollywood movies just kind of being, like, lame Hollywood trash, basically. And this is, like, an actual quality... Mm -hmm. You know, they were trying to make a good movie and trying to do something legit instead of just making... Which, basically, doing what the first movie did was just doing kind Mm -hmm. of a cash grab, generic... Mm -hmm. Teen horror. Is it like hot teens getting mm-hmm. killed? Yeah. Uh, something like Yawn. Slender Man. Like that uh, kind of garbage. Which I think Slender Man probably came out around the same time as this movie, I believe. No, I bet it's like a little later. I think Slender Man was, was like, like, it, it must have been, right? Like 2018? When Slender Man. It's easy to in front of me. 
2018. Close, close though, 2016, 2018. I'm not looking at hold on. It's, you know, that's 2018. <laughs> trying to cash in on yeah. well-known properties uh. and just use the property as the way to get people to see the movie. Yeah. But this movie Which, just went beyond that. There's, you know, the it's a it's the movie theater going experience is mm. you know people just want to have that sometimes I know I do and whatever trash is playing that's where you're gonna watch and just watch. a quick you know and this movie does do those kind of or those where the traditional jump scares were still acceptable yeah and they so. do some of those in the movies they were kind of fun like, I was like ah! yeah yeah <laughs> but a very traditional jump scare like the what the best one of course was. The first the one that you mentioned to you. What are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. Which incidentally, that's how moms answer the door when you think oh. you're like doing something you're not supposed to be doing, like watching pornography. And th- that was great though, how that one girl just starts screaming and then keeps screaming like past. That was actually really funny. That's great. Uh, but yeah. So. <laughs> that means she wanted the sign. She got one. Not the one she wanted, but uh, but yeah. Uh, so looking ahead at next week, we're wrapping up Ludophobia with Beyond the Gates, which also came out in 2016. Uh, basically follows uh, a couple of brothers who are looking for their missing father, and they go to his video store and find this VCR board game called Beyond the Gates, which uh, has a connection to the father's disappearance. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's some familiar faces in this movie. Uh, Brie Grant is in it. Bar- Barbara Crampton is also in it. And I will preface this. <laughs> I've show. seen the poster, which is awesome. The poster for the movie is better than the movie. <laughs> it's, it's, like, I, I remember, like, I've only seen it one time. I thought it was a little middle of the road. So it's been a while since I've actually seen it, but it's a very eye-catching poster. And that was one of the reasons how I first heard about it, was I saw the poster, I'm like, oh, shit. And then I saw the synopsis. I was like, okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll see uh, what sort of connection it has to, like, Nightmare and other really like board games that so came out. I'm excited. Uh, you know, I mean, I was telling you about a choose or die, and you're like, that movie sucked. And I was like, I'm really <laughs> Uh, no, it's more, yeah, I guess so. But it's more of a, like a challenge game. <laughs> I, it's on Netflix, is it? I think. I thought it was pretty good. I think you could make, I feel like there's. Yeah, it was a Netflix movie that came out last VHS year. Yes. Or uh, video. Or even. Or even like a, a somebody. A, here's another free. Episode. You mean so out, outside of just VHS? Make a whole you mean <laughs> based on the full motion video? Uh, remember, <laughs> you guys. I don't know if you've heard. There's a game called Night Trap, which was a famous full motion video game What's from motion? the early mid '90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's video, literally just video. Oh, okay. But well, like back in the day. Kind of Having a video was like a big deal, yeah. And it yeah. would play. It was like a story. It was like a movie. Okay. But it was a really cheesy, campy, super That's low budget. Back. Netflix has track. like four or five of those. They have a well. There is a Bandersnatch. Oh yeah, Bandersnatch. And then um, uh, the Unbreakable Kimmy. Uh, that that one. Uh, I, that's one of my favorite. Unbreakable shows. Kimmy. Schmidt. Yeah, they they that's did a, a movie. They did oh, a they movie. Multiple choice one. Yeah, that'd be Choose Your Own Adventure. Or and then, uh, so Netflix has started putting out, like, 
games. Mm -hmm. You can actually play games on their on their platform, which is really weird. And um, like they have like one that I'm kind of addicted to is just mm -hmm. a trivia game. Mm -hmm. And um, and then one that I, that I was trying to get Joe into was um, Bear Grylls, where you have to choose for him what he's going to take <laughs> with him and how he's going to rescue this person that's got the cure for cancer or some shit. And like, it's so weird. Like you make the choice, like, did you want a slingshot or a knife? And then later it's like, that was the wrong choice. She died. And it's, it's really weird because you make a choice in the middle, like a video place. Like mm -hmm. there's bear girls, you know, drinking the blood off of a deer neck that he just sliced open. Wait, I'm sorry. That's just his regular. Oh, and by the way, small, uh, info i saw a little documentary <laughs> bandersnatch was actually a real video game that was in development by a real company not Neat. like it's of course not like it is in the uh, oh, yeah. in the show in the movie, but uh but it was actually a real thing which is kind of interesting cool Oh, it's been a long time. What now. Are we at? Oh my god, what was that? Two hours? That's crazy. How did usually we don't get that far unless like zombies on with us or something? Yeah, and yeah, uh, speaking yeah, of zombies, he says, uh, tell Holly she made a good choice. Uh, I didn't you know, give this movie a stew. Hi, zombie. That, came out that, uh, that it's a good, that it was a good movie. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, oh, I got a mental note i gotta watch this movie no, but I, I forgot until now yeah but yeah no it's legit what's his name michael flanagan he's legit oculus is a great yeah great movie mm -hmm. watch oculus if you haven't seen it um really starbuck. good movie yep. mm -hmm. with starbuck watch battlestar galactica if you haven't seen it maybe the original of modern television you know what i mean like Game of Thrones <laughs> and or Mandalorian, like mm -hmm. what we think of as modern television. Battlestar Galactica mm -hmm. goes back to Battlestar Galactica mm -hmm. as the originator. My favorite thing about Battlestar Galactica was that all the important doctors were smokers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> the, the, old, <laughs> the old white hair doctor who chained smoke in the whole movie. Too. And then like the, uh, the scummy doctor that sells out <laughs> the human race was yeah. also a smoker. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, great show. Yeah, because of that show, I'm really nice to my toaster. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Be nice to your Alexa. <laughs> Be nice to your Alexa. Don't sexually harass your Siri. <laughs> oh, speaking of, too, uh, there were mm -hmm. multiple points in this movie, too, where I thought that the little girl, the young girl, mm -hmm. looked like Megan from the Megan movie. Oh, yeah? Where she kind of, by the end of the movie, they're dressing her was like Little House on the Prairie, like 1800s style dresses. But she kind of looked, I, there were a couple points where I was like, oh, she kind of looks a little bit like Megan. I know we've been talking forever. Can I just say one more thing? Okay, Marcus, he's been dead for, yeah. what, like 25 years, 30 years? It's the 60s. He's been dead since like the 50s. Like four, oh, oh, you're right. It's, it's, it's not World War II. It's got to be a little later. So he's been dead for like maybe 20 years, 15 years. Like, that's a lot of anger mm -hmm. for 15 years of haunting. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. incidentally, how old is the teenage daughter? <laughs> haven't made, haven't they been in that house since she was in her mama's like, you know, when she, since, oh, yeah, mom was, since Lena was, since her mom was pregnant with her yeah. and she's at least what, like 15. 
But I guess that it was the Ouija board that opened the port. No, no, I'm just saying, like, when did the scientist... When mm-hmm. was the scientist in the house? Oh, yeah, yeah. Who in no, that family true. has been there since, like, the daughter was born, at least? Wait, that's true, because the World War II ends in, like, 1945, roughly, 46. Mm-hmm. So if he's in the U.S. And now, then, the, the I mean, I guess he was, like, maybe a decade, because they're in there in the 60s. Like, 1966? And they lived there, presumably, at because she yeah, was there when tight. Lena. That gets kind of tight on the time frame because the Nazi scientists couldn't be there until the right before the fifties. And that's a whole lot of activity <laughs> in that basement. That's a whole lot of laboratory. Yeah, and people. That timeline is not quite. Right. Can I have a high five? Dude, I figured just, it out. We just debunked this. Four movie. points, man. Four De- points down, dude. You just got debunked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> This movie, Call Michael Flagon, <laughs> this movie just got revoked. We just canceled this movie. Canceled it. <laughs> I guess so. Did the first movie make more? That's uh, that's probably why it didn't make as much as the first movie. But no, it's also it's also because. It did, but here's the thing: when it when it comes to sequels or just That's second installments, yeah, yeah. if the first movie is absolute trash, it doesn't matter really who's attached to the next movie. Like, <laughs> a lot of people will get, yeah, you know, just no interest in, in seeing another installment. So Ouija would it was be only like, like a, a couple million anthology movie. Yeah, because you know that each. Yeah, people play that all over the place. Each the story is like a different Ouija person to people playing with the Ouija. That would be fantastic. And even could go span like a bunch of decades too. Mm-hmm. But also I want to point out too, it's interesting that uh, another thing that kind of occurred to me about this movie that's a little bit weird is that uh, this movie portrays the Ouija board in an extremely negative way. Like this shit all happens because of the Ouija board, which is kind of a little bit weird because this is a product that is being sold currently right now and the people who made this movie are the people who produced this product for That's sale. That's true. This is a product placement. And it is a little bit weird that this movie sort of is like, this toy will destroy your life. Also, Nazis are not the bad guys here. Totally. It's the victim. Dude. I know. All right. <laughs> oh my god. What? What? Mike Flanagan, goddammit. You got some explaining to do. Actually, <laughs> him is the right. I don't know if he wrote this movie or who wrote this movie. Yeah, some, <laughs> I don't know. What wrote is this going movie? on? All right. We have to, it's a question mark. Yeah, we got to wrap this up, this. man. This is going on for way too long. <laughs> Although, I had a lot of fun taking this movie apart. I mean, like I said, I didn't even see all the all the threads, and then we're just like, we just pulled all of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was like a, the sweater. Uh, I know, the sweater totally, totally came off. off the rest of this movie. I thought this was a pretty good sweater, and then it totally came apart. <laughs> but still, that first three quarters, the and first two acts. Just goes to show, you can sell me just about anything with Henry Thomas. Yep. Yeah, he was good. Definitely Henry Thomas. Everyone was good. Yeah, everybody was good. A tight sweater. A tight 60s yep. sweater. <laughs> yep. What started as a tight sweater became unraveled by the end. 
All right. So on that note, we'll be back next week with Beyond the Gates, talking some VHS board game style horror with Barbara Campton, Brie Grit. And we'll see you guys for our next episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.